This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martorano, host and guide for these broadcasts, which are, of course, sponsored by Retreat Behavioral Health. We'll find out more about them straight ahead. In fact, we've got a lot of information about a couple of wonderful activities and groups in this area where the program originates in the uh, in the Philadelphia area. You know, it's, uh, it is September, obviously, and uh, we are now in what is an annual event all over the all over the country, maybe even all over the world. I'm not sure. We'll find out. And that is uh, designating September as Recovery Month. Here's the story about substance abuse that is often forgotten or not spoken of nearly enough. We we know the size of the problem. We know the the toll it has taken. We know the bad news for sure. What we what we don't pay enough attention to, I think, is the. The truth that millions of people, literally millions of people, manage to uh, reach sobriety and live productive, sober lives. They recover. It, uh, it is, as I said, something that we, we need to reinforce uh, very, very often to give people um, the truth of the matter and that you can do it and there's help out there. So it's re- recovery month in September. And to that end, we've brought in a couple of folks to tell us the work they're doing with regard to substance abuse and treatment and recovery and, and, and the, uh, the whole nine yards. Jennifer King is the executive director of the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania, about which more we will find out from Jennifer. And she's joined by her colleague, Hank Owens. Hank is uh, associated with the council uh, in the context of something called PROACT, and we'll find out about them as well. So let me welcome Jennifer King and uh, Hank Owens to Recovery Radio. Thank guys, thanks, guys. Did I get most of that right? You got it all right. Thanks, Steve. We're <laughs> grateful to be here. No, it's it's our pleasure. Because you are uh, local to us, uh, uh, you know, we're familiar with the, with the council. But, Jennifer, I wanted to begin uh, with uh, the broadest overview of you know what the council is about and the work they do and how it came into being. So why don't, why don't you just take the lead here at the top and tell us about the uh, Council of Southeast Pennsylvania, you know their history, their mission, all of that. I'm happy to do that. So the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania started uh, more than 40 years ago, and there's a quote I like to use because I think it's so relevant when Margaret Mead talks about. Um, never doubt that a small group of concerned, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Um, I love that quote because that's really so true to the beginnings of the council. It really started with a group of about three or four volunteers here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, um, who were understanding and learning and realizing the impact that addiction was having at the time, largely alcohol. Um, but what it was having on, on people's lives and knew that the current resources weren't quite enough uh, and that more needed to be done. So they came together and founded, uh, the, the, at the time it was the Council for Alcohol and Drug, uh, de- um, Drug Dependence, and that has grown to be the Council of Southeast PA. But from those three volunteers, uh, it's grown to an organization that has about 70 employees. We have hundreds of volunteers who help us each day and serve thousands of people. Uh, and we have, our programs are really in kind of three avenues. We do prevention, education, and training. We work with children in schools. We work with community members in um, all the areas that we serve to 
talk about and help people understand the risks that addiction and substance use could pre pre prevent, could present, so that they can really learn strategies and take skills to avoid um, ever, ever finding that a part of their life that they have to face. Um, so that's one of our components. A second is intervention and treatment. So we do um, case management services. We do. Uh, we are the um, DUI provider for our county here in Bucks County, and provide treatment and uh, in outpatient treatment um, here as well. And then another significant component is our recovery support services. Um, so knowing that uh, helping someone who's in early recovery find the strengths, the skills, and strategies and community that they need to uh, stay in recovery. We've built a strong set of programs that really support that. So we are now in five counties. We're in Philadelphia, Bucks County, Montgomery County, Chester County, and Delaware County, um, and have a range of programs through all that region. Well, that's a mighty oak that grew from, uh, you know, as the uh, cliche goes, a, a, a single acorn. I, I'm struck by that because it's, it's, um, it's interesting. I, I want to get into the difference between the problem that the council was created to face 40 years ago and the size of the problem today. But, but first, we should stay on this notion of the grassroots nature of this. Uh, you say three, three people, and 40 years ago, the problems that we see today certainly existed, but they have metastasized. Uh, is that what caused the council to, to, to grow, or did it, is this a more organic thing where you know people at the grassroots level realized they had to get to work and not wait for someone to help them, or, or was this just a you know a call to an emergency? How, how do you think it rolled out? That's a great question, and probably a little bit of chicken and egg. Um, I think some of it happened because early on, some of the work back then, even about alcohol, was beating stigma and helping people learn that it was okay to say, I need help, and and then really realizing that there was power in someone who had gotten help and was living in recovery to share their story. That work is still part of um, what happens in our recovery community centers. They, we do trainings in storytelling and in the power of owning your story of recovery um, and and helping people um, use the skills they learn at the center to then turn around and be part of the community of people living in recovery and, and living as inspiration to other people and, and then supporting their own recovery. Because if they're working to help some, if someone's in two years post their treatment and they're living in recovery and they start talking to someone who's much earlier in recovery and they're sharing positive messages and sharing strategies, they're also affirming their own path and their own journey to recovery. So I think the kind of learning those things early on um, made us very poised to be responsive when um, opportunities came, when when communities and our, our we have wonderful partnerships with our counties and our 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 state where we have funding opportunities that come um, because the community is responding to certainly now the opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. So that work early on and that kind of groundwork that people laid about blending both the best practices and treatment, the evidence-based opportunities to train the community, and then knowing what we were discovering about peers and work in recovery 
um, really lent, I think, itself to the kind of growth that the council experienced. Mm. Uh, Jennifer King is the executive director of the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania. Uh, you've, you've heard their mission. You've heard how they've grown over the four decades they've been in this field. Uh, Jennifer, uh, let, let's talk about someone who's listening who, well, I'll ask you the question. Uh, who would call the council? What, what's, what's the profile of a person who might go, gee, what should I do? Who should I call? Uh, and um, and what do you, and, you know, who are they? And what, what, what's the council ready to handle? You say treatment and support. What's the, what kind of person would call the council for help? Well, to be honest, there's a whole range. Um, one of the things we do is a recovery support line which is an information and, and support line uh, for uh, anyone who wants more information about options, treatment, uh, assessing where what situation they're in. Often for that, um, we're going to get families who are concerned about someone. So in that stage before treatment maybe or when, when things are starting to present in a family situation where people are concerned but they don't know quite what to do, mm-hmm. we certainly have that resource early on. Someone might call um, because they are either in treatment or coming out of treatment and want support from a certified recovery specialist, say, um, a peer who has been in recovery, learned uh, lots of skills and strategies to help others, and now is making it their work to give back and to be part of that, uh, the community of support. So someone might call in that scenario. Um, as I said, we do have treatment and we have, um, we provide support for people, um, who maybe are, are coming in contact with the justice system. So we have partnerships with, um, our, our county's drug courts programs and can provide, uh, resources and support to people who are going through those processes. So it really runs the gamut. Mm -hmm. I think if you are concerned about somebody who, who may be facing a substance use challenge, if you are working with someone who has been um, in treatment or working towards that, uh, or if you would like to learn more about how to prevent it, we can support all of those calls. Uh, Jennifer King, our guest executive director of the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania. Jennifer, uh, you're the structure of this. You you are a nonprofit? We are. We're a 501c3. Okay. So you're dependent upon uh, donations, correct? We are. We are. We have a, um, a wonderful history of, of grant support and community support. So, um, for example, um, people support different events that we have throughout the year. Others make gifts to the council uh, to support some of our programs specifically. Philanthropy is a big part of, of I think, how any nonprofit um, is able to stay responsive uh, despite budgetary challenges. It is uh, September, uh, Recovery Month, which is, as I said at the beginning of the program, something we should talk more and more about. Lots of people, believe it or not, lots of people get sober and live uh, long and productive lives after having grappled with something as serious as substance abuse. We have more with Jennifer King and her colleague, Hank Owens, who will be joining us in a little bit to discuss uh, some specifics about what the council does year-round with particular attention towards, as I said, September, which is Recovery Month. This is Recovery Radio. We have more. Don't go away.
Welcome to Recovery. Oh, welcome back, I should say, to Recovery Radio. Steve Martorano with you, our guests on the telephone. Jennifer King, Executive Director of the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania. Her colleague, Hank Owens, who uh, is Office Manager for PROACT, and he's going to join us right now. And He and Jennifer will explain to us um, the specifics of PROACT with the attention on a big event that's coming up uh, in conjunction with Recovery Month, which is the uh, Recoveries Walks event that takes place every year. Uh, let's let's do that now, uh, Jennifer. I know that among the specific things you guys are working on and have been working on for a while are these three centers with more coming. T- tell us about that and PROACT as well. Sure. Well, PROACT is, um, we talked earlier about the grassroots nature of the work that, that the council has always done. And about 20 years ago, um, that work led to what, what has become PROACT. And PROACT stands for Pennsylvania Recovery Organization Achieving Community Together. And so that is really the kind of overarching programmatic idea embedded within the council that um, incorporates our recovery support services. So from that, we've been um, very fortunate to be able to uh, open and, and staff and provide for the communities recovery community centers. Um, We have currently um, one here in Bucks County at the Southern Bucks Recovery Community Center in Bristol, Pennsylvania. Um, We have the Philadelphia Recovery Community Center um, on Lehigh Avenue in Philadelphia. And we have a Women's Recovery Community Center uh, here in Chalfont, Bucks County. And that actually is a residential program where women um, can live in recovery and get all the same kinds of supports um, at a, that a recovery community center provides. And we are very fortunate that Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, has just awarded us a grant to begin um, a recovery community center in Montgomery County as well. So that will be opening um, October 1st. Well, um, people who might not be familiar with the, the local nature of your work and the counties that you've mentioned, I can say now, and I'd like to get your view on it as well, that you, you are you cover a vast uh, area of uh, this this part of the country, but more specifically, more to the point, I guess, is that you you over the forty years have seen the people who benefit from this work change from perhaps inner city and underprivileged areas of the counties you cover to now everyone. Correct. I think that that that's a fair thing to say. This. Um Substance use disorder doesn't discriminate. It, you know, it really impacts everyone. Um, and absolutely, we can, we, to your point, we are across counties, across um, communities. Some are suburban, some are urban, some are embedded um, right in community centers. Others have kind of, um, like in Southern Bucks, there's a, a large amount of, of uh, recovery houses have developed in that area too. So that becomes, so each recovery center kind of takes on um, an individual feeling and spirit based on what their responsiveness to the community around them with a core of the work staying the same. Yeah, what I'm struck by is, as I said at the beginning, the grassroots nature of this. You're, you're dedicated to get getting these services and this help at a very close to the ground level. I mean, is that the only... That's almost the only way something like this can work, right? To be embedded in the problem. I think so. I think because um, certainly with peer support work, the authenticity of someone saying, I've been where you are, 
and I can hold out hope for you for a path forward is part of the power of how that um, work is effective. Um, and in order to do that authentically, you have to be of the community you're serving, working with the community, know the resources in the community, and care deeply about the community in which you're working. Yeah, let's let's bring uh, let's bring Hank Owens in here. Hank, as the manager of uh, the Proact office in the Philadelphia area, if I heard Jennifer's description of uh, Proact's origins and its work, now you guys sound like the foot soldiers. Is that is that the way you look at your work? You're, you're down there on the ground in the trenches, I guess. And, and that's exactly right. Uh, uh, we believe. Uh, um, and as Ms. Jen uh, stated, um, being uh, right on the forefront of individuals who are going through day-to-day life experience with uh, substance abuse, um, it, it just gives us more of an idea of what the uh, community needs as far as services and support. And uh, our services and support that we offer in, the, in uh, Philly are very much... Um, Align with the needs of the community. Well, I, you know, anyone who's looked at the uh, at the issue of getting help to the people who need it uh, should be aware now that that that's the, a critical component of this. That it's not some far off distant authority that's telling people in the community how to deal with this. It's in fact, you know, your your, your friends and neighbors. You know, it, it it might be instructive here to take a moment to talk a little bit about individual you two individuals and how you came to this. Uh, this kind of work. Jennifer, I know you're finishing up your first year as executive director at the council. What, what's your background? How did you get into this field? So I, um, prior to coming to the council, I spent 12 years working for another nonprofit that was inpatient and outpatient and mental health. Um, so th- it's been my professional career. But also, I think with this, um, you can't go, you know, this affects one in four individuals in America. But you really can't go further than your own front door, your your family or neighbors, to not know someone impacted by substance use disorder. Um, that's certainly true for me. It's been part of of the my work's kind of my career path has always been that this mission matters to me. Um, it matters to me to help people envision a life where they can live for their goals towards their goals without the um, impact of substance use uh, and and how it can derail lives. So I know for me, it's been part of both my professional life and my personal passion. Mm-hmm. And and Hank, how about you? How, how did you find yourself in this line of work? Well, uh, having grown up in a community that is um, saturated with uh, individuals who happen to fall in hard times and uh, use substances. Um, uh, substances uh, use, abuse has affected my family as well. Um, uh, having gone to school now, um, having the opportunity to uh, work in the very neighborhood I actually grew up in, um, um, not only pr- provides uh, a visual hope for those uh, I work with, I primarily work with the youth. Mm-hmm. So uh, as they see me, um, and we talk about uh, things that pre- would prevent them, or coping skills and strategies prevent them from also using um, substances as a coping mechanism, um, has given me the uh, pleasure of 
just giving back and uh, yeah, it, it's also it's also a very powerful message to those uh, young people. Hank Owens and uh, Jennifer King from the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania are with us on Recovery Radio. We have more with them straight ahead. Don't go away. This is Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We're going to return to our guests from the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania straight ahead during this uh, September of Recovery Month. But I want to remind you who pays the freight here, and that's the good good people at Retreat Behavioral Health. Uh, they have a broad mandate now, broader than at, at the beginnings of, uh, of their origin. They, they now cover a wide range of what is referred to as behavioral health issues. They've always sort of done that, but now it's in a more official and straightforward capacity. And, and that means with regard to substance abuse and treatment, they are there uh, as always and have a sterling reputation in that regard. Uh, but they now also cover those other areas of behavioral health involving mental health issues. They support this show for its educational informational purposes. That's it. And I tell you this every week. I'm going to give you their phone number merely as an informational tool. You can call them anytime with any question about anything regarding behavioral health and substance abuse, and someone will give you some answers. If they can help you, they've helped many people. That's good. If they can direct you towards help, that's just as good. So here's their number, 855-859-8808, 855-859-8808, Retreat Behavioral Health. From the uh, Council of Southeast Pennsylvania, Jennifer King, Executive Director, and uh, from uh, an organization within that group called ProAct, her colleague Hank Owens is with uh, is with us. Okay, so we've got September uh, staring us in the face. It is Recovery Month. Is that a worldwide uh, event, or is it just something we do in this country, Jennifer? That is a good question. Um, I know that our kind of... Um Guidance from it is coming from SAMHSA, from our, so that's a national, the United States. And that's a good question. I don't know if it's, not, if it's international. All right. Tell it us. A, yeah, right. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. The problem's everywhere for sure. T- tell us about um, recoveries. Is it recovery, wa- recovery walk or recoveries walk? What is it? It recovery walk. Okay. So the idea that, you know, part, so recovery walks is an initiative that the council started in 2001 with 100 people coming out to walk. Um, since then, it has grown, and in 2002, we started to partner with the City of Philadelphia. There are a grand sponsor every year, the Department of Behavioral Health and Intellectual Disability Services, and that's in no small way probably part of why it has grown and grown, because they are wonderful partners for this event, and as I said, started with 100 people in 2001. We now expect more than 30,000 people um, to come together on Saturday, September 21st at Penn's Landing in Philadelphia. And if you can picture 30,000 people, um, all ages and stages, your moms, your dads, your kids, your uncles, coaches, teachers, um, police officers, athletes, singers, dancers, all walking together um, in a celebration of what recovery looks like. The power of that image um, really one of the things that it does is just combat stigma. This is what recovery looks like. This um, disease has impacted, as we talked about earlier, across all spectrums of our society. And on that day, it's a celebration of people who are either in recovery, supporting someone in recovery, or holding out hope for those who are maybe still in need of of a path to recovery. And it's powerful. It's fun. It's um, 
celebratory and an amazing event. Yeah, you know, I don't have to imagine it because uh, the retreat has certainly been uh, in this area um, part of uh, re- the recovery walk every year. And I, I was there th- two or three years ago. I don't, I don't think it was. It was a lot of people, but I, thirty thousand is impressive. You guys have the largest walk in the country, right? That's what they. Uh, the yep. That's what our, our. We're proud of it. Hank, one of the things that's uh, going to be interesting that is interesting about 30,000 people showing up to support the notion of uh, recovery um, is that it puts a, a face on this. Uh, wh- is this your first walk as, uh, as a, a manager for ProAct? Yes, this is my first walk as a manager. Um, I've also walked uh, as an intern. <laughs> so I, I walked on, on the fringes of, of uh, as a participant, and this would be my second uh, walk um, with Proact, but my first, like you said, my first as a manager. So you're gonna you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a lot of work done. One of the things that I was struck by the uh, the walk that I attended was that, uh, as you said, the community was there, and it, when we say community, we mean all those people and agencies that you talked about so there will be there will be uh, healthcare providers there as well um to to tell people where you know what they do and what, what they can you know what they can expect if they were to go there it, it, it's kind of like a a treatment or a behavioral health health fair in one sense everybody gathers together and then when i know they get to uh, the end of that there are groups set up to give people more information correct that's exactly right. We have a lot of support from partner providers, um, treatment centers, uh, county representatives. So we it, that's exactly right. It really is an expo of resources. One example is, you know, um, the walk is a tobacco-free and a vape-free event. Um, you know, it's been that way for a couple of years. And, and this year, even Penn's Landing, all events there are, are tobacco and vape-free. So knowing that that can sometimes be a challenge... In addition to, you know, having that as an impar- as an imperative and something that we're gonna that we're going to put in place, we're also at the same time providing support. So there'll be outreach specialists who are available to help people who may be, um, you know, maybe in recovery but still smoking, um, helping them to think about recovery from tobacco as maybe the next step in the journey, or to help them understand. You know, today's a tobacco and vape-free event, so can you help us out with that? But also, here's some resources and some supports for you. So those kinds of supports, as things come up for people, we'll have um, we'll have advocacy booths. We have a proact village where there's lots and lots of supports and, and resources for individuals, veterans, uh, community members. Lots and lots of resources are available on that day. You know, um, and you both can respond to this. Uh, another thing that uh, distinguishes the walk in our area anyway is that, and I know this sounds odd, um, to, to discuss something about substance abuse recovery in this context, but it's a family affair. There, People bring their kids, correct? They do. They do. One of the... Um, one of my favorite images from my first walk was a little girl who had a sign. She was probably five, bright smile, big pigtails, and, but her sign said, I walk in celebration of my mom. Recovery brought her back to me. Um, and if that's not a statement of hope and and um, the power of, you know, kind of the, the hopeful end of recovery as a, as a, we know that addiction is a family disease. Mm-hmm. 
but mm-hmm. recovery can support the whole family as well. Mm-hmm. The other the other component you'll often see at the walk are families who are honoring someone that they lost to this disease. So many times you'll see a team walking in honor of someone, um, and they've worked together. The, our, our largest team fundraiser, um, teams do fund, fundraise for the walk. It is a fundraiser for, for the council for our recovery support services. And for the last two years, the largest fundraiser is a team called Team Tony. And they walk in honor of their sister who they lost. And for them, this ability to come together, they're, they're raising funds for one of our specific programs. And, and it's a way to, to make their sister's legacy live on mm-hmm. in, a, in a message of hope. Mm-hmm. They, want, um, they want resources and supports available so that nobody else has to face what they face. Yeah, um, so that's, that's part of it as well. It's, there's, a, there's a way to honor um, those that we've lost to this disease. And we know that that has become an uh, overarching concern now because uh, of the number of deaths associated with uh, opioid use anyway. Hank, let me ask you about uh, one of the things that a, something like a walk of this size uh, does is to, de- as you said, destigmatize de- de- this disease and young people can't learn that early enough that we're all in this together. What's the impact you've seen on the young people you work with? Are, are they, because I, I guess as I understand it, you're, you're de- dealing with young people who are of some, some of the most dire um, family circumstances and neighborhoods that, that they live in. Everybody in this country knows about the neighborhood in Philadelphia called Kensington, which is almost ground zero for this catastrophe. Are you seeing a change in those? I mean, those young people can get pretty fatalistic and they can sort of take this um, as just the way it is. Are you seeing a change in young people's attitudes about this uh, problem? Um, Yes, sir, most definitely. Uh, As you know, um, substance abuse, as it affects the entire family, the young kids uh, are affected um, not only in their community, but in the classroom. So, uh, uh, how can I explain it? So in the classroom, um, they're not as attentive, they're, they're, they have behavior issues or their truancy. Um, so they're stigmatized as well. And uh, this, stigma, uh, this, this stigma such as this magnitude um, really affects their behavior and, and when it affects their behavior in their school it also puts them in line to, uh, uh, to the prison pipeline that's right right and, and so, to, so, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. no to be and you're and you're right you mean to become the next casualties of this thing they're already collateral damage but they're on a road to becoming you know actual damage if if uh if they don't get this sense that there are uh, people out there that care and uh and uh and want to help uh you know this uh, this no vaping no no smoking is really fascinating to me. You you guys are way ahead of the curve on this. I mean, one of the things that you see in in treatment con- uh, facilities and everything is is a lot of people smoking because they've got a lot of other issues to deal with. So you can't expect them to quit smoking cigarettes. So well, that's changing, isn't it, Jennifer? It is. The research really shows that um, if you address all of that at once. Your support, you're going to have better results in your recovery. Your chance of, of recovery and sustaining recovery goes up. The, the skill sets and the strategies are, can be the same. You know, the, the same work that it takes to stop using 
um, other substances are effective for stopping to use tobacco. So kind of a, a compassionate and a, and a hopeful approach. You know, we, we don't want to add to stigma. We don't want to take away, you know, um, anyone's thought of themselves as in full recovery. That's not the point. It's The point is we know the dangers of tobacco and, and vaping, and we certainly know um, that that can have long, lifelong impact. So to bring the same efforts and, and education and awareness and supports to bear to encourage people to address both um, just feels like, for me, it feels like the right thing to do. I think the city of Philadelphia is certainly um, a leader in this work. Um, it's not easy. No one pretends that it is, but um, it also is, in a way, um, combat some of the traditional, I don't know how to exactly say this, but, you know, um, the system used to use cigarettes as, as reward. You know, there are some things that we want to do that have to combat um, things we as a society did before we knew better. Um, well put. You know, so, so that's, it's all part of it. It's, yep. It really is a hopeful approach to say we want a whole wellness approach. Um, and, and we want your, you know, your lifelong um, health to, to stay strong as it can. Jennifer King is executive director of the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania. Her colleague, Hank Owens, is with us on the program. It is recovery month, September. That's what we're talking about here on What Else? Recovery Radio. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Recovery Radio. Steve Martirano with you. Hope you're finding us um, either locally uh, or, um, as I said, wherever finer podcasts are available, and Spotify and iTunes and loads of other places, radio.com. Uh, just just look for Recovery Radio. My, my name is probably somewhere in that search. And you'll uh, you'll find not only this program, but you'll find uh, the archives of our, our other programs. We, we have been uh, talking about Recovery Month, September's Recovery Month, on uh, the 21st of this month, September 21st. There are walks. Certainly a, the biggest one in the country is in uh, locally in Philadelphia, but there are probably walks all over the country in support of the idea of uh, recovery. And we've been talking to a couple of the people here who are principally responsible for that effort. Jennifer King, Executive Director of the Council of Southeast Pennsylvania, her colleague Hank Owens from uh, ProAct, have been talking about the walk that's uh, that's coming up. Um, so, uh, Jennifer, so if, if uh, as I said, people can hear this uh, all over the place, if, if they're wondering, gee, we don't have a council here in Illinois. Or so. How do they find out information like that? Probably the first place to start is most counties would have what's called a single county authority. So that's going to be their office working for um, drug and alcohol services. That might be the most local place to start. Um, you know, I know there is a wide network of, of nonprofit providers. Um, sometimes it's city and state entities. But there are lots of people doing this work, and as you said, though there are lots of walks happening, lots of events happening um, for Recovery Month. I know the message is together we are stronger. So uh, that's SAMHSA's uh, theme this year, and it's and it's certainly true. Another point worth uh, stressing here is that people who are confronting this problem uh, and need help, uh, what advice would you give them with regard to paying for it? I mean. Some people may not be getting, and we know that not nearly enough people who need treatment get treatment. Uh, and I think some of that has to do with uh, 
well, there's a multitude of things, but one has to do with finances. What do you tell people who go, oh, my God, it costs a fortune to, to get sober? I wouldn't let that stand in the way of reaching out for help. Many times, nonprofits like ours or county systems really will help someone, certainly if they are in crisis or need um, need immediate treatment. There's usually some support. We'll work with someone to um, assess what benefits they might be eligible for, what their health uh, insurance might cover. Um, I wouldn't let the fear of not being able to pay um, prevent someone from reaching out for help because there are usually staff members who can help assess that and find a path forward um, because getting the help is, is really the, the most important part. These things always begin with that first phone call. To to make the point perfectly clear, someone with questions, whether it's about paying or just any question regarding substance abuse, it calls the council. You don't charge anybody for this stuff, right? No, we certainly don't. We we will have for um, we will be happy to talk and answer any questions they might have. Well, we want to give you an opportunity to talk about some of the other things the council's doing in the in the uh, Delaware Valley. So, uh, what what I'm sure your plate is full. What's on the horizon? So, recovery went busy. Um, we, as I said, we are opening a new recovery community center in Montgomery County. So that work is underway. Um, we'll be part of Montgomery County's Lights of Hope tonight, which is one of their recovery month events. Um, honoring those um, those uh, impacted by substance use disorder with a, a lovely evening candlelight service. Um, we will be, the week following the walk, we'll be coming together again in Philadelphia. We're, we're uh, convening uh, a component for Recovery Works Day at the Philadelphia Baseball. So there's a national day at the, at the baseball game. Uh, communities across the country go out to their local ball game. We have a block of, of tickets um, reserved and for those it would be an alcohol and and substance free section and people can come and enjoy the Phillies we're playing the Marlins it's the last game of our regular season so um, should be a wonderful day so that's September 29th um, and we are you know uh, as I said we've had lots of other um, we just came off some overdose awareness events at our at our community centers and working to kind of honor the, the opportunity and the attention that Recovery Month provides. Well, the night at the ballpark is an interesting case in point because uh, this is not to, not to focus in on professional sports, but the, the idea that a team like the, in Major League Baseball, like Phillies, for instance, and they're not alone, would embrace a night like this is d- demonstrative of the fact that, you know, we again, we're all in this together and no one's shying away from it. And People like you and others around the country who've been doing this for years are, are really at the forefront of the, the, a, a remarkable phenomenon. I never thought I'd live long enough to see a night where you go to the ballpark and buy a ticket in a, in a section that didn't sell beer. Lots of times it felt like the only reason they were playing baseball was that somebody could sell beer. But that's changed as well. All Concerts, uh, sporting events, they, they all recognize this now, right? I, I think it's changing for the good. I really do. I think... Um and, and, and that is, the I think, the direct result of people's courage in telling their story. There's, you know, they'll talk about, I've, I've talked with people who've said, you know, when my family faced cancer or another uh, medical illness, my whole community bought casseroles. When my family faced addiction or behavioral health, nobody brought a casserole. But I think that's changing. I think our community is understanding 
that nobody chooses um, how they're impacted, their health is impacted. Nobody chooses a, a mental health diagnosis. Nobody chooses to have a substance use disorder. And that we can create space that allows people to seek the help they need and then re-enter their communities in ways where stigma doesn't create any more of a barrier. There's enough barriers with the disease um, that our community response can be one that doesn't stigmatize, that creates space for a path to recovery, that um, you know allows people to overcome the challenges that might have happened while they were in active addiction, and that, that doesn't define who they are forever. Um, and our community, I think, is really rising to that challenge. Uh, Jennifer, uh, before we go for people in the, the, the Philadelphia area who want more information about the council, you got a phone number for us? I sure do. Our council phone number is 215-345-6644. We have a website, www.councilsepa.org. And we also have um, a Recovery Walks website where information about both the walk and the uh, baseball game are are easily available. So that's www.recoverywalks.org. Well, guys, thanks so much, Hank. Enjoy your uh, your first uh, big-time Recovery Walks uh, on the 21st. And thanks for joining us on the program, Jennifer, as well. We hope to have you back uh, again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Steve, so much. Take care, everybody. Keep looking for Recovery Radio. Bye-bye. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.